on this week's episode of Polk and Kush, we can finally, finally, officially bury the New Orleans Pelicans. The season is over. We move into the offseason, one of critical importance as we break down everything from David Griffin to Zion Williamson to Stan Van Gundy. We also get into a little bit of Saints news. We've got Polk news. We've got overrated at gas stations. We got underrated with raincoats. And we've got a screed on legalized marijuana in Louisiana. You are not going to want to miss this episode of Polk and Kush. Come everyone to Polk and Kush. It's Thursday, May 20th, 2021. And we're going to do this one more time, baby. It's deja vu all over again, <laughs> as Yogi Bear once said. The neighbors must think we're insane because they're hearing the podcast again. For the second Look, time. no one, I don't think anybody knows, the Pelican segment that we recorded yesterday, pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. I got passionate. I got fiery. I'm going to repeat most of what I said, oh, so I'm not going to get into it. A lot of racial slurs. Mostly. The new, the new beeping button came into good use. We have a new beeping button. It, it doesn't work, so uh, that's why the... The recording device said, hey, we can't publish this. This is <laughs> too good. So it uh, cut it off for our Patreon and OnlyFans uh, subscribers. We'll send you the first nine minutes, which are still intact. Sure. But uh, that's it. Yeah. So here we are. Here we are. I'm we glad to see you again. Let's <laughs> let's do it. We have somehow avoided all the flooding. We've avoided the tornadoes. We could not uh, get past that. It's been very weird times uh, in this town. I uh, can't believe I didn't realize until yesterday just how bad it had gotten in Lake Charles and Lafayette and Baton Rouge. Jesus, for those of our listeners out there, like, I hope you're doing okay. How much more weather crap uh, can these people go through? Good Dude, goodness. and it, it really sucks because the, the eye is always on New Orleans when yeah. it's a very small part of the state. And, uh, yeah, the pictures of, like, Lafayette, people are swimming to Chick-fil-A. Yeah, I mean, it looked awful. Never forget uh, Katrina, which hit Mississippi directly and was referred to on CNN as the landmass east of New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, yeah, you're just you're, you're floating just around there. Yeah, thing. you're in the thing. I Don't worry about it. Whatever. But um, no, we love Lake Charles, Lafayette, Baton Rouge. Lafayette, yeah. home to my comedy career. <laughs> yes. the, only, the only place I perform. Polk's like the third most famous person in Lafayette. Yeah, it's me, Jake Delhomme. <laughs> yes. And uh, whoever coaches with the Cajuns, who yeah. we don't know. Yes. Yeah. Razu Stevenson. <laughs> uh, anyway, you know. It is a nice time for us to sit back and reflect and, uh, and you know, put the Pelicans officially, the 2020-21 season, put it into the ground it's or done. into the mausoleum, as uh, we would do here. It's over, and I come away from the experience thinking, wow, that was a real pain in the ass trip to nowhere. 
<laughs> it was a roller coaster that was a very boring roller coaster. <laughs> you don't typically think of roller coasters as being boring because they're exciting. Yes. But if you ride them every two to three days, yeah. you go, oh, this is the same thing over. I waited in line for this. Yeah. I, I know where the twists are coming. I know where the turns are coming. I know when the, the, the peaks are. I know where the drops are. Uh, there was a cyclical nature, a circadian rhythm, uh, if you will, to this Pelican season. Uh, and it really went all throughout the year until maybe the last three or four games when everyone was hurt. Uh, and at that point, it's almost second nature because every Pelican season ends this way with a bunch of guys you've never heard of playing hard but ultimately losing. And so that was what the last week was. And now uh, we sit and reflect and say, this season, is it a failure? Is it a disappointment? I mean, everybody kind of had different words for it. There's exit interviews. But I think ultimately you land on the fact that it was a, a wasted opportunity. Yeah. I mean, failure and disappoint can be used to describe this together. Yeah. Um, sure. It was a disappointing failure. Yeah. And uh, the players exit interviews spoke to that. Yeah. Um, Zion laid it all out there for once. <laughs> he looked pissed, man. Maybe for the second time. You know, New York got him talking, and he kept talking until now. And it was a different Zion that should be uh, putting Griff uh, shaking in his boots, yeah. I would think, because he sounded realistic. Mm -hmm. He sounded like a typical fan of the team mm -hmm. that isn't some terminally online Twitter loser. <laughs> Or, you know, like as, me, yeah. as you said, like a soccer mom fan, <laughs> exactly. like regular fans go, hey, I th I think this is going to be A.D. I think this is going to be Chris Paul. I think Zion is feeling that pressure of wasted potential and he realizes he's in a loser's market. Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth in that, uh, as unfortunate as it is that, you know, Everyone's different. Nobody who had anything to do with Chris Paul is still here. No one who had anything to do uh, with Anthony Davis is still here when it comes to major decision makers. Uh, it is really a different unit in charge. Yet, they are still going to be graded on that standard, which is natural. It's human nature. And it is real. Like, the ownership is still the same. The team is still the same. The market's still the same. The culture. Yeah. All of that seems to have permeated past the personnel, which is beyond um, understanding or comprehension, but does appear to be the case. Uh, for those who missed it, what Zion said uh, was basically when they asked if he was if the team was close, which all year Zion kept saying, I think we're close, I think we're close, because they lost a lot of close games. It made a lot of sense. And yet, this time they asked him, he's like, look, my stepdad told me the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. And it's like, whoo, whoo. <laughs> That was saucy. That was, hey, you better fix this shit because we got the same team out here. And if you run this back again, the same thing's going to happen. And I get it. I see exactly what's going on. And I'm too good to play for a team like this. He looked pissed. He said multiple times he was disappointed. Uh, it was he almost looked like he was talking after a loss. He looked almost equally angry to then. And even in those uh circumstances this season when he looked like that the words he said did not match that level of I, I guess bitterness yeah and this time it did well maybe he felt like he had to censor his actual feelings during the season to keep morale up maybe because there was no real team leader yeah which you know was foisted upon him unfairly and Brandon Ingram as well so sure. maybe he was trying to keep his mouth shut 
because of that. Or maybe his eyes are just opening. And, you know, you said he wasn't he he uh, spoke like he did after losses. Well, that was him speaking after 41 losses. <laughs> that was like, uh, the yeah, culmination. Com- the compounding effect of uh, being 31 and 41. It, it's also funny that he said, my stepdad told me, like, t- just take the credit, man. Say that you, <laughs> you know that. Idiot. Don't say that, like, someone told you that today. You're, you're 20, dude. <laughs> Have you ever, guys ever thought that it's ironic when you have 10,000 spoons and all you need is a knife? I just came up with that. <laughs> There's a black fly in my Chardonnay. That's pretty ironic, isn't it? Jumbo shrimp? That doesn't even make... Uh, yeah, man. he's He deserves every bit of credit. So you have to juxtapose the Pelicans offseason or the Pelicans season in uh, a very weird way, which is to say... Individually, there was a lot of development. Uh, Zion obviously is the headliner. He got significantly better this season from last season. He did all of the things individually that you would have wanted to see from him. You saw Nikhil Alexander-Walker turn into a very legitimate NBA rotational piece. You saw Jackson Hayes go from being among the worst players in the NBA to being a very playable big man who is clearly on the right trajectory. You saw uh, Najee Marshall come out of nowhere to be a guy who can definitely help. Like, there are real pieces of development that occurred on an individual level. And yet, overall, the team still sucked ass. And that is a really hard thing to put together when you're trying to evaluate it overall. But what I did like is that David Griffin basically said it wasn't good enough. That he didn't go out and, and, and pick out the first part of that and say, oh, well, look how the guys got better. Right. We're doing just fine. Like, just got to stay the course. He did not say that. That's important, I think. Yeah, well, it, it implies some trust. Like, you can trust what he's saying. It's not quite the same thing as Drew Holiday's leading this team. It's yeah. not the same thing as we're not going to get punked. Those yeah. are blusterous things to say for a sound. You think Drew Holiday for MVP and his permission <laughs> to dominate? You think that was blusterous? You thought maybe that might not have been, uh, uh, it might have been a tad disingenuous. Pipe dream? Yeah. Is that a term I can throw around here? <laughs> I mean, I get what you say things sometimes in order to, uh, you know, kind of manifest the destiny. A little yeah. Bit. Like when you tell your kids they're going to sleep. <laughs> it's time. Or when you tell yourself you're not going to eat any more Twizzlers. <laughs> Yeah, you have to say these. I've read The Secret. Yeah. I know. <laughs> say it out loud. Maybe it becomes true. Maybe it's, you know, so people aren't talking about how terrible your offseason was. You just bring up <laughs> things that are completely impossible to happen. Yeah. You know? And then you can blame that guy for your things not going well because he should be an MVP. We digress. I'm glad Griff said what he said. Yes. Does it change anything? No. Of course not. No. But it does create a bit of a mandate. He said uh, that there were three, and he, this was unprompted. Uh, he said there are three areas in which this team needs to greatly improve in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Basketball IQ. Correct. Toughness. Uh-huh. Shooting. Now, do you think these are goals that you would have to watch a full season for? <laughs> or good to note after... The first 35 minutes of the season. Quite possibly. (laughs) The truth of that also is that that should have been the priority last offseason, too. Yes. And they didn't address it. But they they think that they did. They think that they did. Steven Adams, 
yeah, you're not going to beat them in arm wrestling. Does that mean <laughs> that the team is tougher? Not necessarily. Eric Bledsoe lifts a lot of weights. That's true. <laughs> He's the first player to actually fall into that line of if you lift too much, your shot's going to get fucked up. He's the first one. His triceps got too big <laughs> to shoot the basketball. Yeah, that happened to me. <laughs> uh, I just... I agree. When you look at last offseason and you say, what did they need to improve upon? And he mentioned it many times, Griff did, before the season, which is this team got kind of punked in the bubble uh, and that they weren't that was not going to happen again. The won't mm -hmm. bow down shit is still around uh, that they added a level of toughness and professionalism when it came to Adams and blood. So they thought that was going to be a really big uh, turning point for this team. What we have come to find and what we've and those of us who follow this team every offseason and they always sign some guy who's supposed to be helping with that and it doesn't end up making any difference because your best players have to be the ones who take that leadership role. And Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams, as, you know, uh, like professional as they might be, are not good enough and are not loud enough to make that difference. The only exception to that is Rajon Rondo and everybody else that's ever come in here has been underwhelming when it comes to like adding a veteran leader late in the process right and and we're also forgetting that jj reddick was in there as one of these guys too he yeah. was supposed to be a vocal leader he was vocal on a podcast <laughs> talked a lot i don't know how vocal he was in the locker room and if if he was did it make any difference yeah. clearly it didn't yeah it probably didn't matter so Griff is going to have to go forward and view this season as uh like a learning curve, maybe? I think what this season should kick him in the ass. This season should kick him in the into gear and say, like, look, you can't screw around anymore and try to, like, add pieces on the fringes like Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe and those kind of guys. Like, you need to go add a difference maker and someone, if you, if you really are concerned about those three things, there are players who can do all three of those things. Swinging for the fences is yeah. your strategy here. So bring in an all-star. It's uh, someone of that level. There's a lot of good players in this league. There's a lot of teams and situations who are going to pivot into losing more. And there are teams and there are players who are disgruntled at their current situations. The Pelicans have, I think, 12 first-round picks in the next seven years. They have a lot at their disposal that teams who are certainly the teams that are pivoting would want to have. So even if you don't have talent to trade, you have a lot of picks out there. And this is the time to strike. This is why you built it. Because if you go into year three and you are just as bad and Zion saying what Zion's saying already, that is a really, really tough look for this team. Well, it seems like a familiar situation to get caught in with, with it being like, oh, we're bringing in a third star to Marcus Cousins, for example. Yeah. And we've got all these pieces around him. Like, you could make that exact same argument right now for bringing in Bradley Beal. Yeah. Or, you know, Laurie Marcannon, Fletcher's favorite player. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly different level, but sure. Sure. But you could make that same argument right now. Is the confidence in the fan base, is the confidence in the play players that are currently on the team there to go, yeah, this will solve it. Yeah. No, it's not yeah. because there, it, there's no winning culture there. Yeah. And you can say that same shit about, well, the Lakers didn't have a winning culture for eight or nine years. Well, compare the rafters. I know. Because there is 
The Lakers were losers for a little while. Yeah. The Pelicans have been losers. Yeah. Well, the difference is that you can't you can't ever expect to attract a real free agent here. Right. And that makes it difficult. And there's very few markets that can't. But do they know that we're filming Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter <laughs> 2? They can come, you know, screw Space Jam. Hollywood South, baby. <laughs> come be in the Ronnie Lamarck commercial. It might not be Geico. <laughs> Uh, I mean, Zion has a lot of endorsement deals. Does that count? Does that yeah. help? I know. These people act like they don't have private planes I, that can I, go anywhere. Yeah. It's just generally, though, <laughs> no one is coming here until you build a team that is capable of winning a championship. And look, even the teams that have won championships, like the Raptors, still can't attract anyone to go play for them, despite them having a gigantic market and a banner hanging in the Raptors. It is a very tough situation to go be that next team that gets a mega superstar in free agency. You cannot ever think that's going to happen. So the way you have to do this is via trade. You can't do it through the draft because there's no one you're going to get at eight or nine or wherever they're going to end up picking. They're in a three-way tie for eight right now, so they'll tie break it. Uh, no one's going to be that impactful next year, and you have to win next year. Do not this year cannot hold back the growth curve expectation. You have to be good next year. It's difficult. There's a lot of really good teams in the West. You've got to be better than a whole bunch of them, and there is no more excuse. And that's why you need to go cash in and pivot toward the present because this was bullshit, and Zion knows it. He should not be playing on a team that's 31 and 41, especially when he's got another all-star next to him. Which is also... Uh Talking about how bad this team is, how they did not make the extended play in playoffs. 31 and 41 is the second best season the Pelicans have had in eight years? Six years. Six years. Yeah. With the exception of the one playoff run when AD and, uh, and Rondo and those guys. Other than that, they have been a worse <laughs> percentage. This, feel, this feels year. like a worse season than a lot of recent ones. I. I'm sure that's solely because of expectations. It's because they were healthy. Yeah. And so when you watch them play, you're like, why did these guys keep losing? As compared to most seasons where they're completely injured, and you're like, well, I understand when they lost every <laughs> single game. No one's playing. Yeah. Uh, that didn't happen this year. And that uh, is, is more disconcerting than anything, that you built a roster, and this was the ideal roster. They played together, and they still lost well i don't think the outcome would be any different but there was that three quarter of the way through the season point where josh hart got injured yeah. and then lonzo went out for six seven eight games yeah. Nikhil too and Nikhil as well yeah. and that definitely you know you watch this team fully healthy and with these guys scoring 130 points a game and still losing yeah. in overtime yeah i can't I can't definitively say that if everyone on the team had remained healthy, they would be an eight seed. Yeah. I can't say that. The team, the knuckleheads that were playing the Lakers the last game of the season did okay. <laughs> they were right in the game. <laughs> so what? It, where is the chemistry on this team? What is to say who is going to make this a winning squad? Because right now it's a, it's a rotating door of doofuses <laughs> with some MVP caliber talent. <laughs> And the results are so inconsistent, you cannot say for certain if Lonzo had stayed healthy, if Nikhil had stayed healthy, this team would have made it to the 10th seed. Agreed. And, and it took them till late February to simplify their defense. They had a 
nightmare of a defense. It took forever for them to figure out that, hey, maybe we need to simplify this. And they did get better, but it took way too long, and they wasted incredible offensive February in doing it. And it's those kinds of things, those little inconsistencies that you look at and say, they can clean that up and they'd be so much better. But you also have to know that if you don't take a big swing and you're not really good next year, you are F-U-C-K-E-D fucked. The thing is dead if you screw. The <laughs> <laughs> thing is dead because you cannot have the faith that this thing is just going to like morph itself into being right. This isn't 2004. Like Zion's not going to sit around for another year of being bad. He understands who he is. You can very much see it in his face. Brandon Ingram knows who he is too, but he's at least got the money and you've got him under contract. This cannot, you cannot do this again. And the urgency should be very real. And the fact is that Pelicans fans have a lot of faith. I think that things are going to get better next year because they want to believe in it. But everything that's, everything that you should be thinking right now is they need to prove it to you. They have, it is all, the onus is on the team to say that they can get better because they have not done it yet. No one owes the Pelicans anything. No. The fact that, there's a Pelicans podcast right now is generous to their <laughs> we might be calling them losers we might be calling them doofuses nameless goons idiots but yeah they don't deserve a podcast do they <laughs> not this podcast but it's just saying they certainly don't deserve the benefit of the doubt that's yeah Right? I was being hyperbolic. No, no, I hear what you're saying. Sick, but, but they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt. No. They no. have done nothing to show you. And no one's given them the benefit of the doubt except for soccer mom fans and terminally online Twitter fans. Yeah. And everybody else has kind of tuned them out. Yeah. Until they start winning. And I think that is uh, a major problem where the franchise is right now. They have to figure it out. The good news is that they have the avenues to do it. Yes. They can easily make a move. They'll have to cash in a bunch of chips, but they can easily make a move, and then with gradual improvement from everybody else, you could, they can so easily be a 47, 48, 50-win team next year and be really good, and then everything about this thing looks drastically different. Right. But you just have to understand that the level of urgency is very real right now and that you can't pussyfoot around it. And I appreciate that Griff didn't. He was like, we should have been better this year. We have to improve in these very three specific areas. I just don't know if he has the ability to make the right decision. That is the question, right? And the decision is being called into uh, question because of what we've seen out of him for yeah. a year and a half. Yeah. Well, he made a lot of decisions that were pivoted toward the deep future. But a lot of, like, my problem with his decisions is that on paper, they're still exactly what he's saying. <laughs> yeah. They need toughness. They need shooters. He thought these guys were tough and were shooters. Well, not Steven and they And they were until they got here for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Reddick signing spoiled on him yeah. yeah and you know melly was obviously had yeah, had a lot more terrible. shooting responsibility until he got lupus or whatever happened well that was also he was just bad yeah he's bad <laughs> like that was a bad signing you should never have given that guy two years guaranteed that no. was a 
well, terrible decision. Well, he had an okay shooting season last season. But he still didn't play much. He's still not a good NBA player. There mm-hmm. are other guys. You can point to 10, 15 guys in the league who would have been. Yeah, I know. The, ma- the You know, the mailman's more athletic than <laughs> not Carl Malone, the actual the mailman. The actual mailman. <laughs> Your dad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like his decisions, his words can stay the same. He just has to make better decisions regarding them. Yes. We should no longer be taking his words at face value, <laughs> right? I think that's a fair thing to say. I would never take anyone's words at face value that's, you know, a millionaire and involved in. <laughs> but I, I think we all did take his words at face value, right? For two years, you listen to what he said, and he's like, he's saying the right stuff. Yeah. Everything he says makes perfect sense. And then the team comes together, and you watch him, and you go, well, they're not good. This is what all of my ex-girlfriends say. They were like, everything he was saying was making sense. I needed it, so I, you know, I bought a jersey, and now here we are. And that's where we are, because this team can certainly be better, and there's certainly a a light at the end of the tunnel, but whether or not you've got the right, you know, method to drive there into that tunnel or into that light is a totally different question. Uh, I don't know how you upgrade, how you didn't upgrade shooting, and during this season, how, how did he look at that roster and say, well, I, I think we're good on shooting. <laughs> like, it's it feels crazy. like it's almost hard to not upgrade your shooting now because all anybody does is shoot. That's the whole what league. What are you doing? Upgrading your defense because you didn't do that. Yeah. They entered the season without upgrading their shooting at all. And a coach who was like, well, we're not going to really focus on the three. <laughs> like, we're not going to defend it that much and we're not going to shoot it that much. It's like. Well, what planet are you? What year are you guys in? Maybe the only model of not shooting the three that works is uh, the Lakers. And that's because they have the two best players in the league. (laughs) And even then, they've got some shooters. You know, like this is a uh, there's a lot to question. And again, it's not that what Griff is saying is wrong. What he's saying is perfectly logical. And if he can execute it, then he's dead right. The problem is we've heard him talk now for the going on our third year, uh, our third offseason as we enter it, and it's difficult to give him the benefit of the doubt. It is. So what do they do? Are they just losers? Are they just losers forever? Is Zion leaving in three years? I, think, I, I do actually think they're going to figure it out and get a lot better. It doesn't take that much. They really have to make one big move. I, you know, it's easy to not have confidence in it. I wouldn't say that I do. Um, But, you know, swing for the fences and let's let's see what happens. I guess that's all you can do. Right. You've got the capital. You have the pieces. Get get the big piece in. Trade that 2027 Lakers pick or whatever you have. Yeah. Let's just just dump it all. LeBron will be retired, uh, you know, two years in 2017. So the Lakers will stink. <laughs> they won't. They'll be great. They're going to get someone else. It's like they bet everything against the Lakers, who are like the best franchise in the history of the NBA. Whatever. Different question for a different day. Uh, as we wrap up here on this Pelican segment, what is the best case scenario? For this offseason that they just go get one guy is that like I, that's kind of what I think I feel like if they just go trade a whole bunch of shit get rid of Eric Bledsoe and get one great player that everything the entire mood around them will be different the mood will definitely be different but I just don't think the Pelicans are going to behave that way I don't think Griff is the kind of guy to get 
the centerpiece or an additional centerpiece yeah. and go, that's it. Yeah. You know, he's going to want to cover his tracks. He's going to try and get some shooters in, the, you know, there's yeah. going to be some white guys in there throwing <laughs> up the three Duncan Robinson. It's going to be awful. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he's going to try and get some shooters just he because of that criticism. Shooters. Yeah. That's a no doubter. Yeah. And that alone should make them way better. And I don't think he's going to. Yeah, there was a lot of bluster at the end of the season, a lot of fanfare. Jackson Hayes stepping into the three. Well, Jackson stays. Hayes still only shot seven three pointers yeah, all no, season. Yeah, no, that's not the answer. You know, he's not Manute Bowl in that yeah. one game. And Stan Van Gundy was like, he shouldn't do that. Yeah. Like, you're a big guy. Back to the basket, doing the dream shake. It's yeah, like, you no, know, Winion Gabriel, Najee Martin, these you know, these guys aren't going to be the... No. They they need a little seasoned shooter on the team. At least, at least, for sure. Well, uh, nice to finally put the uh, the casket into the plot, and, uh, yeah. and we can move on. We will be talking about this offseason, obviously, at length as the playoffs get going. Uh, we'll grade the players. We'll do all this stuff. There's plenty of Pelicans still to talk about, but for now, we'll move on. We'll talk about the Saints, talk about overrated, underrated words. You know the drill. Polk and Cook. Stick around. Jansen Patagna, everybody. J-A-N-S-E-N. Patagna. That's Jansen. He, he's never asked for us to sing, but we do it. <laughs> Jansen Patagna at French Quarter Realty. Residential, commercial realtor in New Orleans. I uh, had a beautiful open house today, 835 Julia. I tried to go to this place and just hide under the couch and stay until everyone left so I could live there forever. This place, beautiful. And get this, furniture. Incredible. Look around this place. You see any furniture? No, no. of course not. These cardboard boxes are so uncomfortable. The, you know, the comic books, they keep my mattress up. <laughs> The cinder blocks I stole from the orphanage construction site. Those are my bookshelves. If I had any books. Jansen, he doesn't dabble with fools. Every house he sells is for a winner. Do you want to be a winner? Call Jansen. I do want to be a winner. Email him. Jansen, J-A-N-S-E-N at FQR.com. FQR, guess what it stands for? French Quarter Realty. Oh. <laughs> Absolutely. He's got his cell phone on here. I don't know if I should give that out, but this is public. Sure. 504-621-9443. Give him a call any time of night. <laughs> Ask if his refrigerator is running. <laughs> what was the old one? You got Prince Albert in a can. Do you remember that one? No. Apparently there was like a tuna brand called Prince Albert, and you'd call somebody and go, Hey, do you have print? You call the grocery. Sure. Go, hey, do you have Prince Albert in a can? And they go, yeah. And then you go, well, you better let him out. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a refrigerator running. You should go catch it. Yeah. Anyway, Jansen Patagna, go catch him. Yeah. Don't be the jerky boys to Jansen. <laughs> However, if you want to get a house, an apartment, if you want to get anything, a rental, if you want to buy something, because, you know, owning real estate is the American dream, and there's only one person who can give it to you in the most efficient way possible, that man is Jansen Patagna, the realtor to the stars. People, people say one thing about Jansen. They say he's easy to work with. Well, they say two things. Easy to work with, smells good. <laughs> and they, 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 and they great hair. <laughs> they DM us, and they're like, what kind of cologne does Jansen wear? And I go, I don't know. Do you want to know what kind of cologne I wear? What's it's that? the Kiss brand cologne. <laughs> 
I bought it at Target when I was 17. I found a bottle of Tommy Hilfiger cologne from seventh grade in my parents' house recently. Oh, nice. I was like, you think this is still good? And then I just poured it all over myself and let myself on fire. Still good or ever good? <laughs> Phenomenal. He's got a commercial office retail residential place at 608 Barone Street right now. My Lord, this place is fantastic. I look at these places just to get ideas. I'm like, wow, windows. I should, <laughs> I should get some windows in here. This place is fantastic. <laughs> what is it, a table? That's cool. A fan? What do you use that for? Oh, to cool the place off. Man. Jansen thought everything, and he's going to think of you when you give him a call. J-A-N-S-E-N. Jansen. Patagna. That's a sponsor. Absolutely. And onward we go. Yeah. Into the black and gold. The black void that is the black and gold. What I are mean, we going to talk about? There's not, you want to talk about the schedule? Ken Crawley's back, baby. Oh, my God. Who gives a crap, huh? You know, he's been on like four other, like, f- since he was first on the Saints, I think in like 2016, he's been on like four other teams. I remember he's on is the Is that Ra- true? He was on the Raiders. He was on like the Dolphins. What? I think he was on the Dolphins. I know he was on the Raiders. He was really on another team? I yeah. feel like he's played for the Saints forever. He's been on other teams. And he's always stunk. And now he's back. <laughs> he stinks. Well, uh, yeah. He's Why a- would they bring him back? What's the point? He's bad. Like, we all know he's bad. He's so bad he doesn't play. Well, he's cheap. He's got a good attitude. He's At his exit interview, he said that he was really excited about playing with Jameis. <laughs> he said he did not have any demands... He did not feel like the season was a revolving door. He said he was happy to be here. And in New Orleans sports media, that'll get you a good ways. I guess uh, so. The schedule, the Saints supposedly have an easier one, but you and I both know that declaring a schedule easy before the season begins is absolute nonsense. Nonsense. It makes no difference. You, you have, have no idea who's going to be good. You have no idea. Yeah. It, it, there are a handful of teams who you can say that you're pretty confident are going to be really good. And they're basically the ones with the best quarterbacks. Uh, And we don't even know who a lot of the quarterbacks are going to be playing for. The Saints play the Packers. No clue who the quarterback's going to be. The Saints play the Seahawks. No clue who the quarterback's going to be. Like, you just, I think they play Houston, too. I mean, like, you just don't know who the quarterbacks are right now. Everything's sort of up in the air. And, like, one of those guys can get traded to the, you know, Washington football team, for example. Or one of the, like, there's just, it's impossible to really have an idea of where you're at. Uh, I did find some lines uh, for week by week, which I find hilarious. If anyone's, like, betting the week 14 Saints game right now, (laughs) like, the level of degenerate, I'm so happy. Like, I just want to meet you. Can we have you as a guest in the podcast? If you've placed a bet for a single week that's not week one of the Saints season, (laughs) please email us at pokingcushion.gmail, and I want to give you a gold star. (laughs) Free T-shirt if you've bet on the Thanksgiving game against the Bills. Do you want to know what the spread is for that game? Uh, lay it on me. The Saints are a one-and-a-half-point underdog against the Bills on Thanksgiving night. Uh, I would agree with that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to throw some more at you just to see how, what you can do here, okay? Uh, week 8 against the Buccaneers at home. Uh, Three-point underdog. Very close. Two-and-a-half-point underdog. Right. Very close. Uh, all right. How about week 14 at the Jets? 
Six and a half point favorite. Only three point favorites. Ooh. Time to put some money down. <laughs> value play. <laughs> if you are looking for value right now, you can get three and a half points off between Polk spread and the Westgate spread. <laughs> you you come back to me in November and tell me that you regret that decision. <laughs> uh, and then let's let's do one more. Uh, week one against Green Bay. Two-point underdog. They are actually a three-point favorite, uh, which means that that's all Aaron Rodgers' uncertainty. Yeah. So, anyway, I think uh, in this thing that has the Saints basically going like uh, nine and eight, ten and seven, something like that. It's so weird with the 17 games. I'm not going to get used to that. The entire yeah, I'm, I'm never going to add on the other one. Nine and eight doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> I know. Everybody, I, I, you, I've, I listened to like a, a – decent amount of talk radio this week i read a bunch of stories like uh you know in the athletic and nola.com and everybody's picking like 12 wins i was like what is what like where are you getting 12 wins from i was like they have a Jameis winston quarterback i was like i like pulling 12 wins seems that'd be an incredible season for the saints yeah i don't i don't even you know i personally don't think that Jameis is the biggest obstacle on the saints winning games right now i think it's the uh swiss cheese defense yeah I mean, just the and who, no name who defense, the fuck yeah. are they gonna throw it to yeah there's two guys that's it so yeah. the saints have uh, more problems than just the uh the big fancy one at quarterback yeah uh, nine wins Teams get into the playoffs with nine wins. Especially now, it'll be nine and, what, eight? And you're just going to be, I, I would assume, like a winning record with 12, with, you know, whatever, seven playoff teams on each side. That would seem to be enough. But, you know, is that even, like, good? Like, the Bears were a playoff team last year. We yeah. watched them in the playoffs, and they sucked. Do you think any Bears fans were satisfied with that because they went to the playoffs? <laughs> like, I think they all thought that was a pretty miserable season. To I don't want to know what Bear fans think. Uh <laughs> They're like, oh, thank God, a thing before I have to go back to the factory. <laughs> Italian beef. <laughs> and, you know, this is from the very presumptive Saints fan uh, vantage point of, well, Carolina and Atlanta are going to suck. If Carolina or Atlanta are a nine-win team, it's lights out. It's over for the Saints. Yeah, it's going to be tough. And and I think Atlanta could be really good. Uh, I, I Every week I look at the Falcons gambling line and I'm like, well, I'm going to bet on the Falcons. Week they have an incredible offense, and then you watch them play. You're like they lost. I don't. They keep losing. I don't know how, but they keep losing. It's just like uh, incredible, and it's not always just their defense is a disaster. Like some games, are just like, well, they just fell apart. I have no idea what happened. Matt Ryan is just not good. Anyway, yeah, you're right. Like if Sam Darnold is really good, if the Falcons can click, like with the amount of talent they have on offense, especially getting Kyle Pitts, like. There are very real hiccups in a schedule where they're saying the easy games, four easy games can turn into four pretty difficult games very quickly, especially with as many unproven guys are going to be on the field for New Orleans. Yeah, there are no easy games in football regardless, and especially not for this new no-look Saints team. Yeah. Uh, But there are a couple of celebrity shining stars coming out for the Saints. Rob Schneider. (laughs) He's been cast in the Sean Payton movie. I said this on the podcast. We got to find the clip. I said Rob Schneider has to be in the Sean Payton movie as the you can do it guy. (laughs) 
That's probably what he's doing. This is it. Can you think of another role? Dennis Allen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got to be playing like drunk parent, right? And Because well, it's about Sean Payton, the middle school team that Sean Payton coached during the bounty season. Correct? Yeah, yeah that's correct. Yeah. There probably won't be any cameos from Saints players. There's going to be le- legal issues, I'm sure, that are... Yeah. Maybe he's like a wacky assistant coach, you know, like he's Metairie dad. Yeah. That like gets a couple daiquiris before the game. <laughs> Will this movie win the Oscar? <laughs> Beating out. I don't know. We talked about that on the last. I was like, I, gun to my head. Tell me what a good movie is. No, no idea. It has to be somebody suffering for two and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> That's the movie. I mean, so they should have just done a Netflix movie on a regular Saint season. <laughs> Some guy in a corner who probably has a mental uh, problem getting the shipping out of him yeah, for two I and a half hours. Yeah. Hand him the Oscar. If, if you want to have an Oscar winning Saints movie, have Michael B. Jordan be Tommy Lee Lewis. <laughs> and, and then just getting hit over and over again. Two and a half hours of getting hit and no flag. It'll be throw. like Creed 2, but on the football field. <laughs> you know. Oh, God. Uh, That's why I'm not in Hollywood anymore. Too many good ideas. <laughs> Any other Saints news? Uh, they, are, uh, they have no intention of requiring uh, the vaccine passport to get into games. Good for you. It's going to be just... <laughs> The the thing now is they're like, well, you don't have to wear a mask if you're vaccinated. Well, okay, well, how are you going to tell if anybody's vaccinated? We're not. So yeah. we're really going to see if this is going to stick or not because I don't know how many people going to the Saints games are going to be forthright and honest about their vaccination. I find it similar to having driver's licenses in the city. I drive around here and I go, what percentage of these people actually have driver's licenses? I bet it's less than 60%. How many have license plates? <laughs> like, How many I, have matching doors? I just can't picture 90% of the people in this city, the drunken slovenly fools that we see, just standing in line at the DMV to get the, the actual license or caring about it. Because unless you get pulled over, no one's ever asked for your driver's license. Absolutely not. To drive? No. It's not like you can't start the car. And, you know, you get pulled over and they're like, uh, where's your license? Like, look, there are a few things before the license. <laughs> Here are some stolen guns. I've been keistering this H-bomb for a while. The the license is number six on this, buddy. So, oh, it's a $200 fine. Okay, I'll pay that when I'm in jail for 30 years. Uh, The car isn't worth $200, bro. You can keep it. it. Um, Yeah, that's about it for the Saints. All right, so that takes us into Polk News. Oh, yeah. Ooh, a little saucy. There's not much Polk news either, unfortunately. <laughs> That's fine. Um, former New Orleans almost MVP, Chris Paul. He was 0.1% away from a 50-90-90 season. That's where you shoot 50% oh. field goal, 90% free throw. 90 which, which point one was he away from? Field goal. Oh, he finished at 49. 49.9. That's a bummer. Yeah. He was probably very annoyed. By He's that. never had it before either. He was probably really pissed about that. Well, reporters uh, afterwards were like, so, you know, blah, 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 the record. And he's like, the the record I'm trying to break now is my record of not winning a championship. <laughs> That's literally what he said. He's always been very funny. I love Chris Paul. Uh, but another name very similar to Chris Paul, Tony Snell. Yeah. He's the first 50-50-100 player Did in he? NBA history. Who does he play for? 
the Hawks. Interesting. He has not missed a free throw since March 2019. How many has he taken? At least 100. <laughs> is that specifically right? what it says is at least 100. That's more than Lonzo has taken. Yeah. Better percentage. Tony Snell, welcome to the Pell. <laughs> Tony Fell. <laughs> Tony Fells. Uh Yeah. Wow. That's kind of amazing. 2019. He's going to miss the first one next season. No doubt. Or I guess or, the, the Hawks are in the playoffs. They're definitely in the playoffs. They're the five seed. He, he's, there, there's a team that definitely should be better than the Pelicans, right? Uh, Freaking ridiculous. God. He's definitely missing the next one, however. Um, more NBA news. Uh, Marv Albert, childhood hero. Yeah. You heard his voice and you went, oh, that's a real game. Yeah, he was good at biting women. Yeah, he would wear women's clothes <laughs> and bite them. Anybody who doesn't know that story thinks we're making that up. Yeah, that was kind of just a blip. That he was very lucky that the internet was not around for that because there's like voicemails and stuff of him, like you know, crazy with his Marv Albert voice saying, you know, I'm gonna, (laughs) I'm gonna bite your skin off. And it's From like downtown. <laughs> it's like you have any idea how many people have been canceled for like just saying something about a Native American yeah. they didn't realize they were saying, and he's like <laughs> biting through women like he's Patrick Bateman, and they're like, "Hey, take a year off, <laughs> come on back." Yeah, there's some guy like uh, with his head in a stock right now because he said men can't give birth, but Marv <laughs> Albert's like talking about setting women on fire. Uh, anyway, he's. <laughs> He's retiring uh, after the Eastern Conference Finals this year. Yeah, that seems reasonable. He's, he's, been, he's lost his fastball a little bit. He's been in the NBA for 55 years. That's incredible. So he was 20 years. If I had listened to the NBA when I was zero years old, he would have been in the NBA for 20 years. Good Lord. That's absurd. <laughs> I haven't done anything that long except mm. drink. We are both pretty good at it, though. <laughs> Very successful at that. You got any Polk news? Anything uh, you can throw on the Tulane and LSU both fighting on the bubble right now to get in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I think that would be fun if they made it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, that would be, you know, college baseball, I feel like, is kind of uh, dissipated from the it, it, it like matters for about a week or two now. It yeah. used to be like kind of a big deal. I feel like it doesn't matter as much anymore. But it'd be good if LSU and, and Tulane were both win their last weekend. This is the last weekend of the regular season in the conference tournaments. But uh, they both have a pretty good chance. And your dogs, of Louisiana yeah. Tech, look like they're going to host a regional. That's going to be wild. Yeah. Uh, that's cool for one reason, because less than two years ago, the stadium was completely destroyed by a tornado. <laughs> And now they've, you know, they've rebuilt the Dairy Queen Memorial Stadium. <laughs> it's, you know, it was funded by P.J. Brown and uh, Brooks and Dunn. The seats are solid gold. Have you ever gone to a game there? Yeah. Well, not at that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. Like last week, like four people were like, did you know Louisiana Tech's ranked 13th? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. What else are you doing in Ruston? <laughs> of course. Are you I going know. to the movies? <laughs> Yeah, so that'll be cool for them. It's also going to be really funny for the three restaurants after oh, the game. Oh, big, especially like there's a pretty good chance LSU gets put there. Oh, my God. And it'd be wild. Well, all the tech fans are going to have to hide their LSU jerseys and <laughs> take their LSU bumper stickers off their truck. Oh, man. Uh, all right. Well, that takes us in to your favorite part of every single week on this here program. 
segments. Overrated. Overrated. Underrated. You start with overrated. I guess I will go first. The television at the gas pump. Mm. This thing has so much potential to be great. There's this great, you put in your credit card. You've got four minutes where you have nothing to do because you're holding the gas pump and there's a television screen awaiting you. And instead of them putting on remotely usable content, it's just ads for garbage. That's all you get is just bullcrap ads thrown at you. I was like, I get ads thrown at me all day. I can just ignore those and look at my phone. If you put something on the screen that was like a 90-second funnier die clip, for example, something like that, there's so much that could be done within the framework of the television at the gas pump that it's being criminally underutilized. And I think someone needs to step up and do something. At the moment, it is totally overrated because it seems like, yes, good technology. We put a television in here and bad because it's like, we're going to give you four seconds of weather and then shove in a bunch of ads for tampons. <laughs> and it's like, they're just no, let's use this in a useful manner. You're here. You're already giving us money. We don't need to extract more money from the process. Let's give you something that you would want to look at on the screen. So gas station television, you suck. I don't understand why nobody can program this thing better to attract more eyeballs. I love the uh, vernacular of cramming in a tampon ad. (laughs) The one female listener we have just cringed out of her chair. (laughs) Sorry, honey. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, no, I agree with you. Um, I don't think people are overrating the TVs at the gas pumps. <laughs> Everywhere I go, people are talking about, have you seen that TV <laughs> over at the Shell? When they first started, people thought they were cool. They were like, oh, man, they got, they got TVs in here. We can watch the ball game for five minutes. For it. No, you can't do anything. No. I mean, what, what are they going to put on these things? You know, a YouTube video or something like that. I think that's a good idea. What they're going to start doing is probably TikToks because TikToks are like 10 seconds long. That'd be great. Yeah, you get to see some guy, you know, dancing naked. and Those make me laugh sometimes. Yeah, singing along to Lady Gaga. That's 100% what they should do, though. Vines. And then they just have those pe- <laughs> these cretins on TikTok should just be wearing a shirt that says, you know, Twizzlers. Exactly. And then yeah. that's how they get their ad money. I think we have discovered hire us, Exxon. We can put things in your gas station that will sell more crap. I've got it. Because that's what they should be doing. They need to do something to make it interesting to look at. Instead, they have nothing. You're just staring at another billboard, except the billboard is moving. That's the only difference. Yes, pornography. Pornography. You want people to watch pornography. (laughs) (laughs) Get them in the Twizzler shirt. The whole country is made up. You're right. I didn't even think about it. The whole country is made up of people planning one-minute videos because no one has any attention span. And you've got people for four captive minutes. And you've chosen to not even try. I feel like you have a large gas tank. <laughs> Four minutes. I don't feel like I'm By the time you put seconds. in the card, you punch in the zip code. You get the zip code wrong a couple times because yeah. you just forget. Yeah. And, uh, and then you don't hit enter. What? By the end and of you're, you've got your kids in the car, so it's a vacation for you. Oh, you're, that's you, the best part of the day. You're taking your yeah. time. <laughs> that is the best you're part cleaning of the, the windshield. Oh, yeah. 
Scrubbing the lights. You guys are good back there. I'm gonna. Dad's gonna go inside and buy a nudie mag. We're good. Well, you, every every day when I go to Nola.com, it's like 700 cars <laughs> stolen while pumping gas. So watch out for that. Yes, I have never left my kids in the car at the gas pump. That'd be very bad. Or if you did, you left them the gun so they could, <laughs> very def- so they could defend the car. I read the Second Amendment. That seems to be okay. <laughs> Uh, I've gotten overrated. That is personal. Mm. Unemployment payments. People are still getting this shit. Okay. I'm. I've. I've had it. Trying to go to a fast food place. <laughs> <laughs> what are we on? Week sixty-eight of unemployment. Everywhere, every single place in this town, every restaurant within a 10-mile radius of here, which is the entire city, is now hiring. Yes. Please fucking go back to work. (laughs) Please. I work three jobs. I have three jobs. I don't even count this as a job. I have three jobs. Yeah. I have no money. I have no time. And then I got fr- I have friends that are, you know, they're socialists, they're communists, they're workers. And yeah. It's like, oh, you're a worker? You've got an unemployment <laughs> for 62 weeks. Where are you a worker? Your house? <laughs> and then they tell me, they're like, yeah, you know, I'm just making more money than you. I'm like, oh, good. The system works. And I know there's like an argument of, well, that just means that like, you're not getting paid enough for what you're. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> but accurate. What am What am I gonna do? Yeah. What am I gonna do? Take the unemployment. That's what it sounds like. <sighs> you know, I think it, I thought it was running out, or maybe I'm just an ethical, moral person. Yeah. Who is like, I should have self worth and do a skill, <laughs> so I'm at least building something. I and also I thought that my unemployment ran out, but I guess it doesn't. I guess it just goes on forever. They extended it, but now some states are opting out of it. Like, I think Texas did. I think Florida might have. South Carolina. Like, a lot of red states in particular uh, who've had problems with employment uh, have just started opting out. Tennessee definitely did. Uh, where they're not going to give the extra, whatever it was, 300 bucks a week, 200 bucks a week, or however much they were getting matched by the federal government. Uh, so Louisiana is not going to do that. And knowing Louisiana, I think we'll probably be the last place that does it. Yeah, I I don't know. I just want to go to Cane's and I want the person to come on and rap at me. <laughs> I don't want it to all be one guy. I feel like right now there's just one guy at Cane's. <laughs> <Yeah. just running laughs> He's like smoke trails around him like Wiley Coyote because it's just too much going on. Uh, yeah, dude, the, every single, there's a now hiring sign on literally every single place. You, this you had your year, dude. You yeah. had a year vacation at 38 and you're not scared of COVID anymore. Go back to work. That was your thing. It was like, oh, people are scared of getting sick. I was like, no, they're, they probably weren't to begin with. Now they're definitely not because yeah. you could have gotten vaccinated by now. And if you didn't get vaccinated, it means you're not that scared of COVID. <laughs> so it's one or the other. So, yeah, that's a good one. I like that one. That's uh, yeah. ridiculous. My other was uh, I had another overrated, which was taxes, but I would have just been foaming at the mouth because the state of California is soft auditing me for the no money I made there last year. <laughs> I have to send them a fucking care package oh of like all God. this stuff, like paychecks and all this shit. Like I made no money yeah. in you. You're the you're the you're the big problem with California's budget gap is Andrew Polk's two months of residence there. Yeah, it's like, hey, remember Elon Musk, how he moved to Texas with his eight billion dollar industry? We're gonna get this guy that worked at Shell. The gas station, not the company. He was making videos with the Shell guy. 
I'm sure they just heard the podcast and I go, let's get this guy. <laughs> well, this guy seems, yeah. Uh, I also, your taxes also go to that unemployment insurance. So, yeah. I'm paying for mooches in both states. That's great. This is uh, the most conservative podcast you've had today. <laughs> Look, I, uh, we're going to be picked up by the Sean Hannity radio network. Is there, is there a parlor podcast network? <laughs> We're going to be in Look, I'm as liberal coverage. as they come. Just fucking go back to work. I have to. That's my measure for everything. <laughs> like, I've I got to do it. it. Yeah. Uh, all right, we move on to uh, underrated uh, launchables. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we forget these things in the pantheon of easy snack uh, foods. The launchable is a very neatly packaged way to eat anything. It is great for children it's great for me it's a high sodium high calorie way to fill your face in like 35 seconds to eat a quick lunch you can get it out of a vending machine and it doesn't feel like you're eating candy or chips you're right in between uh being uh horrible like it's not as bad as eating mcdonald's but it's obviously not as good as eating real food you're kind of right in between i think the lunchable uh very underrated for its convenience factor and it's not making you feel quite as terrible as you would if you made an even worse decision terrible. Mm-hmm. Do you like the Lunchable? Well, I've uh, I've called the Lunchable the Walmart charcuterie on the show before, <laughs> sure, yes. which is pro Lunchable in saying that uh, you know a Lunchable is a sandwich. Yeah, you're praising the hermetically sealed trough that it comes in. <laughs> I do like that. And how a d- vending machine doesn't have to be refrigerated. <laughs> There's <laughs> Ideally. You would think they had it in the airport in a vending machine. <laughs> there are ham pogs in it. <laughs> That's true. So hopefully it is. I don't know the ins and outs of it. The Lunchables, the Lunchables, A-OK. I don't have kids. Yeah, they're gone. It's like the easiest thing in the world. for kids. You can yeah. get like 20 of them for like four bucks. And they love it because it also has a cookie. And so that's really all they want is the they cookie. or yeah. you? Well, me. So when they were really young, I could eat the cookie and then I'd give them the food. And now they know yeah. the cookie's there. And then when I eat the cookie, I'm just the fat, mean dad <laughs> who they despise. I feel like I'm in a rolled doll book. Like <laughs> the horrible adult is doing this to them. So now You're I can playing can't with even... their Happy Meal toys <laughs> exactly. at the same time. These are actually for the adults. Yeah. That's why they put them. This in. is for daddy. <laughs> Uh, what you got, Pope? Uh, raincoat. (laughs) (laughs) It's look, it's been like a flash flood one day a week for the last month and it's been raining. I have the umbrella. The umbrella is, is nonsense in New Orleans because the wind is blowing. You got to. You got to run to your car and run in your house so you don't get murdered. So the umbrella is like an extra obstacle. You got to close it and shake it off yeah, and then true, wrap yeah. it up. Raincoat, none of those obstacles. And you get to look like a guy in the Matrix. <laughs> Do you wear the big long raincoat? Oh, I don't have one. Uh, but <laughs> they seem cool. <laughs> I was literally just with friends this week and so I was like, we're going to get raincoats. I was like, that's a good idea. <laughs> I am going to get a raincoat, so I don't, you know. Do you like the long yellow one, like Paddington Bear, or are you more into, like, you know, a, n- a nice, chic, uh, you know, North Face uh, j- Arcteryx jacket? The last time I had a raincoat, it was uh, yellow and had a Big Bird hood on it. <laughs> um, 
So I guess I would have to go with the yellow Paddington one. What have you been doing when it rains the last 20 years? I have years? the umbrella. The umbra- but the umbrella doesn't work when there's like hurricane and tornado level winds. That's true. I don't like to carry around the umbrella also. That's my... I, I, I have no problem, like, wearing a jacket open. Yeah. I don't Exposing like, yourself. Well, yeah, well, I do that a lot. Uh, but, you know, like, walking around, I, I end up swinging it. I end up hitting myself. I hit other people. I don't have the, the ability to carry it without the level. What are you, the penguin? I have so much OCD <laughs> when I have that thing with that little strap. I've broken a thousand of those little, you know, straps that go on your belt. Uh, so, yeah, the raincoat is... Uh, it's a uh, it's uh, necessary for sure in these these parts. Do you have one? Of course, I have like four. I've, I lose one every other week, and then I go find one and get another one, and then I you find. find are you like George Costanza? Do you think they're free in the little <laughs> bin at the <laughs> coffee shop? I think I've bought like five rain jackets, and I've three of them have reappeared. So, well, if, if anybody, need one, if one. anybody listening has a raincoat suggestion for me, send it on over. <laughs> Anorak jacket will also be acceptable. I want I want the long one. I want the one all the way to the floor. Like when I go in somewhere, they get nervous. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. one. <laughs> so it's bright yellow. You look like Dick Tracy. <laughs> I think that'll be good. All right, that takes us into my favorite part of every single week on this here program. Ladies and gentlemen, the worst. The worst. The worst is the worst thing I saw or read this week. Uh, mine comes from the New York Post, where, you know what, let's get a little advanced for the podcast. Okay. We're going to play a video. This was a, uh, they're still doing Zoom court sessions. This is in Michigan, and there was a, a large Zoom meeting for, uh, for court sessions, and a man signed in with a certain username that he may or may not have been aware of, but the judge almost immediately noticed it. Good morning, sir. What's your name? Me? Yeah, you. Yes. Nathaniel Saxon, sir. Your name's not Parker three thousand. You yoho, logging <laughs> into my court with that as your screen name. Why would that? that in a little bit? But uh, effer. Three thousand. What kind of idiot <laughs> logs into court like that? What's your name again? Nathaniel Saxton, sir. But, but I mean, Nathaniel. I typed anything like that in. Well, that's what it says. The other people the on the Zoom are losing their minds, but they're like, "Yes, <laughs> not guilty, probably." <laughs> So the judge kick, kicks this man out. There, I don't have a clip of it, but the next step is he comes back and he says, my sister set up my Zoom account for me, and uh, I have a Bluetooth speaker as an inside joke that we call Buttfucker3000. <laughs> and for some reason, that name transfer. I like that he's not censoring himself either. He's saying the whole BF3K <laughs> to the judge. And the judge says, he, uh, your sister almost got you held in contempt of court. Which I don't know how they can do that when you're yeah, at home. They come get you and then they <laughs> all right, come to court, which you're not supposed to be at. I love that. He'd get into jail. Like, what'd you do? It's like, oh, I killed a guy. Like, what'd you do? Uh, my sister put buttfucker3000 as my Zoom handle. <laughs> this guy looks like Moby, too. 
I don't believe him for a second. I no. Think, no. There's no way. He definitely did that in some stupid thing with his friends and didn't I've I've logged on to things accidentally with, you know, my like my brother's computer and even though it was on my Zoom account, his name, whatever. It is uh it's not that, like simplest thing in the world to notice. So it's like I can see him just screwing up, but that's absolutely hilarious. Yeah. So he's in jail forever now. <laughs> Whatever happened, they say. He was, of course, there for some... I think he got caught with, like, a small amount of meth. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Like, you're going to jail for 20 years now. Yeah. I mean, I'm just amazed he got the name. Who's... (laughs) Butt effer? (laughs) Well, I said butt effer at first. The judge said butt fucker, then they beeped him out. Sorry. Beeped him out. Wait. Did our beep not work anymore? I turned the volume down. There you go. Nice. Don't call out our shitty technology until like. <laughs> Dude, that's hilarious. Man. Yeah. What a, that's great. That's so not the you, worst. That's the best. If you're wondering why you've got Buttfucker 3001, it's because of this fellow. Uh, should we move on to mine? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so mine, I was going to. D- there was one I sent to Polk that was sent to me earlier today. Uh, just a great headline for anybody who's ever watched uh, Dirty Work. Uh, NOLA.com, spilled drink at Metairie Bar leads to man allegedly biting off chunk of person's nose. <laughs> Which is just incredible to begin with. And then you realize it is an actual Chris Farley <laughs> line from Dirty Work where a Saigon whore bit my nose off. Let's play it. <laughs> If you've never seen Dirty Work, it's one of my favorite movies. And somebody gets their nose bitten off in it. By a uh, a Vietnamese prostitute. Um, So, anyway, that that one didn't make... Oh, what's going on? Just roll with it. Okay. Uh, So that one did not make the worst uh, this week. Because what ended up happening otherwise today was actually the worst thing that happened. Which is that the state of Louisiana, of course... Voted on medical marijuana, voted on the legalization of marijuana, Mm -hmm. total recreational use. And of course, it failed because we are stupid. We're stupid people. We're a stupid state. We do stupid things. We can get in each other's way. We have no idea what it means to to make progress. And we decided that, oh, we've got so much money. Our roads are in such good shape. Our schools are so (laughs) awesome. Our healthcare is in such great position. We don't need any of this money. We should continue to let people buy weed from drug dealers. That seems to be the best way to do this. I can't imagine any better system that would allow the state to maybe reap some benefits out of the hundreds of thousands of people smoking marijuana in this uh, state than, you know, legalizing it. So anyway, uh, the state, yes, of course, uh, it lost uh, a 47 to 48 vote. It needed 70 votes uh, in the state Senate. Apparently, believe it or not, the influential Louisiana Sheriff's Association helped kill the proposal. Uh, But the debate did reveal shifting attitudes about legislation, about legalization among Republicans and opponents of the idea. The sheriff's group committed to study the idea ahead of next year's legislative sessions. Uh, They're doing this all over the country. It's not that complicated. You don't need to study it that hard. You think that you're better than Colorado? Colorado. 
Do you think you're better than New York? Do you think you're better than Virginia? These are all places that are objectively better than Louisiana. Why on earth can't we just say like, well, they're doing it. We should do it. Obviously, they are very smart, functional people, and they're making a lot of money off this. We should probably do this. Instead, it's like, mm. well, I don't know how we would react to selling marijuana here. It could be totally different. Uh, these people are so full of shit. It's out of control, and it bothers the hell out of me, man. I just literally, and they're like kind of, and the guy who's sponsored, it's like kind of like, hey, things are getting better. Like, I think two years ago, nobody would have looked at this, looked at, this at all. It's like. No, we're still dumb. We're just not as dumb as we were two years ago. We're still dumber than everyone else. <laughs> well, the only reason that they're not voting for this right now is, one, they haven't figured out how to steal money from it, siphon money off of it. Correct. Three, they are not at a place to where they can properly invest in the businesses to like soak up all the money before you know the little guy has a chance yep. to yep. where they can put a monopoly on it themselves. Or... Um, you know, the sheriff lobbyists and people like that are going, oh, no, if I can't arrest some guy for a joint in Jonesboro, Louisiana, when I pull him over, uh-huh. we're not going to make any money for my department. Yeah, those are really the only reasons, because the cold hard fact is everyone that wants to smoke marijuana is smoking it whenever and however they want. to. Yes. And instead, they're just paying $60 to some guy who that is what he's able to do and making tax-free money that literally no one benefits from except that guy. And, and he puts himself in danger because it's an illegal market and he's, and he's putting everybody else around him in danger. Like, the drug market is not good for anyone. Everyone with any, any next level of logic can understand exactly what you're saying. Yeah, it, it would be a crime deterrent to have these places. Of course. And it has, it is, it's not like you're breaking new ground. It is the case in like 10 to 12 states now. It's insane how easy it is to get marijuana in this country. And we're like, well, I don't know about all that. Those hippies over there in California. Hey, I don't know what they're doing uh, with all of that. We over here. Uh, so the Mike Ran- Ranatza, the director of uh, some bullshit association, said, we must understand the pitfalls experienced by other states who have legalized marijuana rather than just rush to a quick judgment. No, you don't. No. Everyone's doing it, and they're fine. They're, they're actually just better than whatever it is, whatever metric that you want to gauge Louisiana against whatever state passed marijuana, we're worse at it than them already. Isn't it 200 to $300 million estimate yearly taxes for marijuana? It's a crazy amount of money. And also, uh, I don't know if these people know that there was just a pandemic that wiped out a ton of businesses. So there's going to be a ton of open retail, retail. spaces. Yeah. People aren't going to be put in escape rooms in these things. Yeah. Legislative uh, analysts, this is from The Advocate, legislative analysts estimated Nelson's tax bill would have raised about $12 million in tax revenue initially and $82 million annually after the market matured over several years. Nelson pegged the revenues at 100 million Avenue. Thibodeau Republican Brian Fontenot, a former police officer closely aligned with law enforcement group, objected to Nelson's bill on the House floor, saying they should form a study group instead. Yeah, does that just mean you just want to smoke weed? (laughs) 
<laughs> is that what you mean? You just want to smoke weed and go, yeah, I, I think it'll be fine. <laughs> so they're going to study a, commi- a study committee on legalizing marijuana and its findings ahead of the 2022 legislative sessions. However, tax measures can only be taken in odd numbers of years, so it's at least two more years from now before they can actually pass it. So we will not get legal <laughs> marijuana in this state till 2023 at the earliest. The dumbest goddamn place on earth. Uh, Fontenot said, this is just great. This bill doesn't just fail you and I. This bill fails the people of Louisiana, Fontenot said, adding he didn't think enough money was dedicated to law enforcement or mental health issues. Then Nelson, the guy who sponsored it, argued correctly, uh, Louisiana isn't getting any of the tax <laughs> revenue. He said, it's not that big of a deal. It's just $100 million. Louisiana doesn't need the money, I guess. Also, marijuana is a mental health drug. <laughs> He's saying not enough is go. We're not. We're gonna instead because not enough is going to law zero. enforcement. Zero would be better than the lower percentage that we'd be getting. There is no way to square this circle. There's no way this makes sense. This is absolute horseshit coming out of the mouths of the people who run the state, and none of it is surprising. It'd be. It'd be more infuriating if it was at least surprising it's not surprising these people suck at what they do there's a reason we are dead last and everything yes we have stupid people but we also (laughs) elect even stupider people amen brother Uh, vote in local elections and not for the people who are in office yeah vote for (laughs) vote them out vote them out i don't even care (laughs) vote them out all right paul grab us up sorry for the rant oh i'm i'm gonna get off here and smoke a highly illegal substance (laughs) and not give a cent in taxes uh polk and kush is a absurd sports cast you heard it we like to have fun Scott Kushner, you can catch him on NOLA.com. You can catch him on Twitter at Scott D. Kushner. You can find us, me, on Twitter at Polk and Kush. Send us an email with show ideas, segment suggestions, the worst, what, whatever you want. Uh, Polk and Kush at gmail.com. We are sponsored by Ale on Oak Street. Beautiful patio uptown. Go see them. And Jansen Patagna at French Quarter Realty. Give us a like. Give us a review. Give us five stars. Give us your love. We need it. We love you. We'll see you next week.